Good evening. Welcome to the Holy Week at Home Meditations. Uh, it's my pleasure to be able to be with you and guide you one step further on this, this journey through Holy Week together. You know, we're obviously in very special circumstances where we're going to be living our Holy Week from our houses. And God has special graces lined up for us. I don't think any of us would have chosen to have churches closed or not to have even access to the sacraments maybe, but God is not limited. And the graces that he's going to, to offer to each one of us, when we make the effort to take that extra step, you know, God can work miracles really. So without further ado, today's uh, meditation, this afternoon's meditation is going to be taken from the Gospel according to John. It's chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. Um, I'm just going to read it very briefly because it is a short reading. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast, there were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew went with Philip and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. First of all, uh, I think it's always important when we do these meditations, let's put this gospel passage in context. What's going on? Jesus has just entered Jerusalem, uh, really in the last week of his ordinary earthly life before the resurrection. And what were the things that happened immediately beforehand? Um, Jesus had, a few days previously, just raised Lazarus from the dead. And the Gospel of John tells us that because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that the crowds followed him. And the crowds got enthusiastic, and that was the reason for the Palm Sunday procession. People got inspired by the fact that Jesus overcame the final barrier. He overcame death itself. And there were two very strong reactions to Jesus when he did that. We know the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Uh, we also know Judas, for example. What did they do? They said, we have to put this man to death. The entire world is following after him. Judas already starts planning with the scribes and Pharisees how he can betray Jesus. We also see, though, that the crowds uh, have a different reaction. And especially we see one group of people that's interesting. A group of, if you want, pagans. The Gospel refers to them as Greeks. Probably Greeks that were not Jews, so to speak, but that were admirers of Judaism and came to the temple, especially during the Passover celebration. And we know that these people came to Jesus. These people came to the apostles and said, we want to see Jesus. Now, as Catholics, this is something that we need to believe. 
The world is dying to see Jesus. The world, despite so much evidence to the contrary, the world is starving for Jesus. And the world, when it looks at us as Catholics, as Christians, as followers of the Lord, it is telling us, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus in you. And maybe you're going to say, well, how can that possibly be? I mean, Father, if I look, I see wars, and we see pornography, and we see drug problems, and we see so many cheating, and how so many different corruptions, and so many different forms of evil in the world. You say, how can you possibly say the world wants to see Jesus? And I would say the answer is, look at what are the basic longings of any human heart. Every single human being desires to love and to be loved, to feel loved. I was once watching a video, it was one of those uh, TED Talks, this one was only about five and a half minutes long, it was excellent. It was a paramedic, a first responder, and he was talking about his experience of what do you do when you encounter people that are clearly dying, and they ask you, they say, am I going to die? And his dilemma was, what do you do? Do you tell them the truth? And eventually he decided, yes, I'm going to tell them the truth. And he said, when I did that, I discovered there are three basic reactions. And it doesn't seem to matter who the person is, what their background is, what their religion is, what their nationality is, nothing. So there's three basic reactions that we see whenever anybody faces the reality that they're about to die. It says, number one, we feel the need for forgiveness. If there's anything that I've ever done, the desire to be forgiven, to reconcile, to make up for it. Which is why it's so important not to wait until our last moments in order to reconcile with the people out there that we may have offended, or the people, family members, for example, that we never took the time to get back together with. Secondly, he says, everybody has this desire to be remembered. So much so that even though this paramedic was a complete stranger, sometimes people would say, will you remember me? It's a desire for eternity. It's a desire, it's an unwritten desire for an afterlife, not to finish, but to live forever. And thirdly, there's the desire, there's this inclination. Did I make a difference? Did my life make a difference? You know, the other basic desires, what are they? Like I said, to love and to be loved, to feel ourselves loved. You know, we were also watching recently different videos. You know, we do more than just watch videos around here, but uh, the conditions being what they are, we got more time on our hands. Um, recently, we watched um, a movie on Mr. Rogers. It was the one with Tom Hanks. And again, and also the documentary that came out on Mr. Rogers, we kind of Mr. Rogered out over here for a moment. Um, Anyway, you look at Mr. Rogers and you say, well, why was his show such a success? You know, was it because the music was great? God, no, the music was atrocious, frankly. Was it because his special effects were good? No, he's got these cheap handheld puppets. I mean, it's low production quality. None of the, the things that you would normally think that go into making a great television show were present in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So why was Mr. Rogers such a success because frankly he was. He was on the television for years. And there were people that when they would recognize him in public places, they would come running over. Complete strangers that would hug him. People that said their lives were changed because of Mr. Rogers. 
What was the reason? It's very easy. Mr. Rogers sincerely loved people. And people knew they were loved by him. He dealt with difficult issues and he touched people. He would go out of his way sometimes to look for people that were going through difficult things in their lives. A child who's in a wheelchair who's going to be facing a very difficult surgery. And he would say, I want this one on my show. It's because I want these people to hear and to believe and to understand that your life has value and beauty regardless of whether or not you're a great athlete or you're the most attractive or beautiful or most intelligent or most talented or whatever person out there. That you are loved unconditionally and every human heart is burning with the desire to hear that message. This is what Christianity has. So let's go back to the gospel itself. The Greeks say we want to see Jesus. And Jesus has, I think, a pretty funny reaction. He doesn't say, by all means, bring them to me. In fact, it doesn't even mention if he lets them see him. We can presume he does. What is Jesus' reaction? The Greeks say, we want to see Jesus, and Jesus says the following, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus starts talking about his passion. Now, why would he do something like that? Frankly, it's kind of weird. Well, there are two different reasons that I can think of. Number one is Jesus recognized the point in my ministry where foreigners, pagans if you want, people that weren't even practicing Jews, start coming and saying, we want to see Jesus. He clearly recognized this is the mark. This is the indication from the Father that my time has come. And why would that be? Well, I think you and I, we have a danger. And the danger is this. As practicing Catholics, it's very easy for us to get comfortable. It's very easy for us to lose track of how radical the gospel message is. It's very easy for us to get into a certain kind of a routine and to think, as long as I fulfill these conditions, I pray the rosary and I do a couple of other things, I'm fine. And we lose track of the fact that the gospel really needs to change us. The pagans were coming from a different background. They, they heard Jesus' word, they saw his presence, and they recognized there's something radically different here. There's something beautiful and attractive here. And I want that, I need that. And the danger is that you and I can very easily get used to dealing with Christ and not really recognizing all the time just how beautiful and how dramatic the invitation that Jesus makes to us is. What does it really mean to be a saint? Secondly, Jesus, when he says, he begins this discourse on the grain of wheat, he starts talking about his passion. It's connected. It seems a strange response. We want to see Jesus and then for him to respond, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground. Jesus is saying, if you want to find me, where is the place that you're going to do it? It's in my passion. It's in my cross. The crucifixion is not an accident. I'm predicting it. Before it happens, I'm telling people, this is where you're really going to find me. This is the place where we were redeemed. 
it's true, but also it's going to be, this is the place where you need to look on me with new eyes, with eyes of faith. From this moment onward, from the moment of the Last Supper, until the ascension, until the days, until today. To look on Jesus means the only way we will be able to recognize him is through faith. And when we look upon a crucified Jesus, the capacity to look upon that body, tortured, bleeding, suffering, and to say, there is my God. Only faith can do that. Only faith. Jesus is saying, if you really want to get to know me, not just simply as a miracle worker, not simply as somebody who's a nice preacher who says things that I like to hear, but if you want to get to know me, my person, my heart, then I'm going to give you the greatest possible revelation of my love. You see, this is what God's heart is about. It is a love that is limitless. It is a love that is burning to draw each one of us to himself. It is a love that has no bounds as to what it will undergo in order to win us for himself. On the cross is where we really truly see what the heart of Christ is to its depths. But Jesus doesn't just leave it off there. He doesn't just say, look at me. That alone is important. In fact, it is necessary. Without looking at Jesus' crucifixion, we'll never have the strength for part two. Because Jesus says, follow me. Unless you pick up your cross every day and follow me, you cannot really be my father. You cannot really know me. So for the pagans, and really that's each of us, the vast majority of the church is Gentile, for us to truly be able to get to know Christ, we can ask ourselves, what kind of crosses do I live in my life? What part, how important is the cross in my life? You and I are in Holy Week. This is the week par excellence to take part, at least in some small way, in the cross of Jesus, in the sufferings of Jesus. Let's try to really live these last days, these last moments of Holy Week in union with him. Because it's when we unite ourselves to Jesus in his mystical body, we allow him into our hearts. When we try to imitate Jesus, that's when we're most opening up our hearts to let him in. And this is what the purpose of Lent is. It's a time of special prayer, special sacrifice, fasting if you wish, almsgiving, special means of grace. And I would say this year more than any other year. Special crosses, special privations if you want, that Christ is allowing us. Not as a punishment, but as a means of saying, I want you to draw closer. If you truly want to know me, if you truly want to see me, then it is in the cross that you're going to do so. I'll be keeping you all in my prayers, as are all the other legionaries and consecrated members, random Christie members who are helping us with this retreat. And I ask you to keep, please keep the legion as well in your own prayers. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>